0: Welcome to the Season 2 of the India Energy R podcast. The India Energy R podcast explores the most pressing hurdles and promising opportunities of India's energy transition through an in-depth discussion on policies, financial markets, social movements and science. The podcast is hosted by energy transition researcher and author, Dr. Sandeep Pai and Senior Energy and Climate Journalist Shreya Jai. The show is produced by multimedia journalist Tejas Dayananda Sagar.
1: Since 2003, when the electricity market in India opened up to private investment, variety of market mechanisms also came up along with it. Long-term power-purchase agreements have been the backbone of power supply in the country. But other short- and medium-term contracts have helped meeting sudden demand surge, acted as bridge supply, and lately given sale options to renewable energy. Similar contracts have now emerged in the gas market as well. To understand how the Indian energy trading market works, how it can be made more efficient and real-time, we talked with Rajesh K. Mendiratta. Mendiratta is a sector veteran and has worked with load dispatch centers, power system operator and has been instrumental in launching India's first electricity trading platform, Indian Electricity Exchange. He is currently MD and CEO Indian Gas Exchange. Thank you so much, uh, sir, for joining us here at the Energy RGR. It's a delight always to talk with you. And uh, we were very, very excited to have you for this episode. Not only because I've known you for so many years, also because you have such a huge bank of knowledge, which we can't wait for you to share with our listeners.
2: Thank you, Shreya. Uh, thanks for uh, having me on this conversation. It will be really great to talk uh, uh, about uh, sector and whatever you want would like to me to talk uh, on or about. Please go ahead.
1: Great. Uh, so, uh, you know, we will be discussing about the power trading markets in India today. But before we do that, uh, let us know about you. Uh, you know, uh, you are a veteran in this sector and you're considered a very seasoned power trading market expert. Or I must now say energy trading expert, given that now you spearhead the gas exchange as well. So, uh, you know, tell us about yourself, your professional journey. Where are you from? What did you study? How did you land in this sector? Just tell, tell us about yourself, please.
2: First thing is that veteran is a bit heavy word. Uh, but uh, of course, I can take credit of being uh, ex- having some expertise in uh, markets. Uh, Particularly power and then uh, later I got into gas. So gas is also one of my now uh, area of uh, having skills. So uh, I got very interesting journey. I'll briefly take you through my journey of professional career. I started my professional career being power system operator in a regional uh, system operators uh, operation center. So earlier that center was uh, part of uh, government. Uh, it was part of CA. Uh, we used to call it as WREB or WRPC. And uh, the, for almost eight years I was there with them and I would look, I have gone into almost all aspects of power system uh, in terms of operation, in terms of protection, in terms of commercial, energy accounting, settlement for Western region. So Western region is uh, actually consists of uh, states of uh, Gujarat, Maharashtra, MP, uh, Chhattisgarh. So for these states, and these states were operating as one region, and uh, for that I used to be, uh, I've taken, I've got experience in almost all, all aspects of uh, system operation. So it started my career being uh, uh, Indian, uh, a part of uh, government service. Indian Engineering Services. Then I later joined or moved to Power Grid. Uh, that time, uh, the uh, this is the center for system operation is uh, called as WREB, then WRLDC. So now people know it as more of a POSOCO, a part of a POSOCO, WRLDC, uh, uh, situated in Bombay and then uh and that was about almost two decades I spent there uh in all aspects of uh, system operation and uh, we did many new things so first time in in the country that was like setting up of uh energy accounting and settlement system. there was new energy accounting and settlement system which we call as a b t availability based tariff, so that was implemented. Uh, I was part of that team, a key member of the team. And we implemented first time in the, in the country, in Western region. And also I was involved in putting the similar system in place for the uh, state of Gujarat. So that was also first time in the country. So after having achieved uh, or done uh, these two major projects, which were first time, so I was getting a bit uh, more uh, interested in uh, power exchanges. So that time there was some discussion started. So it was year uh, 2006 that uh, we started talking about power exchanges. And I used to uh, maybe even call it as like a dreaming, dream about uh, such an exchange in the country and then what can be the model of that exchange. And uh, there was, of course, some discussions there. And uh, then uh, uh, I suddenly one day got an offer from a company. And that company is a uh, multi-commodity exchange, so they wanted to set up a power exchange, and they they came to me for uh, joining this new initiative. And then I uh, I immediately agreed, though it was all secure job in power So, but uh, I uh, thought that this is the opportunity I should uh, be uh, using or moving to. And then uh, I joined uh, uh, MCX to work, uh, start working on uh, IEX. And then uh, in 2007, we largely did a lot of uh, development uh, or maybe intro, uh, initial works on uh, power exchange. So putting the design process, uh, first thing was uh, what should be the model what should be the processes for running a power exchange, what should be the technology, who all should be there, and then uh, applying to CRC, then getting approval from CRC, and uh, all of this. And there was a lot of coordination happening with the CRC because that was also first time for CRC and first time for us. So a lot of you know, to and fro happened, and uh, in one and a half years, we could get final approval for starting the exchange. When we started IEX in 2008, uh, we had a very small team and uh, uh, of course uh, I took uh, responsibility of uh, business uh, development and of course uh, one or two of my senior colleagues also joined who uh, took up op- different on the operation side. And then we started this uh, exchange and uh, good thing is that uh, in 2 years we got uh, this uh, through as break even and then uh, initially we had to convince uh, distribution companies uh, the, the generators uh, captive generators and we could get uh, a good set of uh, market participants in one or, one or two years uh, almost in one year and after that we saw that we saw this opportunity of getting cni customers on board because Till that time there was a, a regulation for open access, and also there was a law, Electricity Act was uh, there uh, which allowed uh, the CNI customers uh, more than one megawatt to buy power from third party. But really that was not happening. Then we started looking at this segment closely because uh, our market was a bit uh, less of less liquid. And uh, uh, that time uh, when uh, we used to trade for in the season of uh, a monsoon particularly, we saw that suddenly the demand is uh, not there for many hours in the day or some days together. Because when there is a monsoon all throughout the country, then the demand is less, buyers are not there. So then you don't discover a price. So that was something uncomfortable for us. So we thought if we have CNI customers uh, also on the exchange, then we will have good uh, liquidity all across the year. And then in first, uh, uh, so in 2009, first time we got our open access customer on the exchange. And that was a breakthrough for us. And then we also started on term market in 2009. And uh, so that actually, we continued developing the market further. So total uh, in two, three years, we got something like 4,000 customers on board. So that is uh, that was a significant uh, milestone. And of course, We had been uh, looking for opportunities to go for cross-border trade that time. We were also looking for opportunities for gas trading. So as early as in 2008, we started working on gas and we were exploring opportunities for gas markets, looking for right time to enter into that uh, segment. Only thing is uh, we were not uh, getting... uh, we were not able to uh, see that uh, it's really time for gas uh, exchange to start. But of course, uh, the time for cross-border trade was there. Uh, REC market we started in 2011. So that was also our initiative, which uh, finally resulted into a regulation. Because in 2007 itself, we started working on REC market, how the market should happen in India. And of course, uh, in 2009, CRC took this up as one of the new segment. And when Dr. Dev joined, he took this as, uh, he Dr. Dev joined as chairman of CRC. that time, he uh, also focused on uh, starting a REC market. And in 2011, we got the regulations in place. And 2012, we finally started so uh, REC market happened in 2012 then uh, also we were working for energy saving certificate markets but that uh, took some more time because there was a cycle pad cycle for 3 years after in the, uh, in the third year only the trade was to happen uh, so that happened in 2017 so but meanwhile we were working for the green market uh, we were working on intraday market cross border trade of course, it did not happen that time. Cross-border trade only happened in uh, last year when uh, every all the formalities required for facilitating such trade uh, were completed. And finally, we could do in uh, this cross-border trade in April 21, first time. But the efforts started uh, from that uh, time onwards. And green market, on that also we started working something like uh, sometime in 2015-16. And uh, we saw this as an opportunity. And, Finally, we could uh, 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 finally C R C agreed uh, for our uh, proposal, and then uh, it happened only in last year, August 2020. Uh, not last year, year before last, when C R C issued. I uh, uh, approved this our uh, green market proposal. So it has been a good journey, good experience, new markets. And now when we, uh, in 2019 sometime, we again explored uh, the possibility of starting a gas exchange. Again, we were looking for uh, some regulation to come from the government on uh, gas exchanges, but that was not there in 2019 also. But we decided that, okay, let's uh, start a trading platform, not exactly as authorized gas exchange, because if uh, a regulation is there, then anyway, we can uh, start it as an exchange. But if there's no regulation, so in case there's a vacuum, we can start uh, doing a trading through our platform and later we will adopt uh, the regulation and we'll go by the regulation and get approval. So June 20, we started as gas trading platform. For that also, because this was a new sector, new set of participants. Some participants are common, but very few major participants are not common. So like Gale, ONGC, uh, Indian Oil, HP, BPCL. all these companies are not part of uh, our electricity market. But new sector was there, new uh, segment, were new set of people, uh, new set of uh, regulation. And uh, this commodity is a bit different. Uh, so there is some similarity. But it is not uh, uh, similar completely. Uh, So because uh, there is a limited network available, then uh, there is some storability of gas in the pipeline, which in case of electricity was not there. So regulations for electricity are different and regulation for gas is different. The way it uh, gets transported, it is being regulated, is very different. We don't have a federal structure, for, for, in the gas system where the state also uh, has got some jurisdiction. In case of gas, it is completely with central. But we don't have a, a distribution companies like state distribution company. We have a very small distribution company which we call as city gas distribution. So, a lot of, uh, uh, one is that we have to go through a complete new regulatory framework, the sector, the sector segments, and the, we have to also see the Legacies which are happening through big corporations like Gale, ONGC, and what uh, system is already there. So, so we had to align all our processes again for these, uh, uh, this sector. When we started in June 20, so we were really had started with very robust processes in place. And uh, after completed one year of uh, exchange operation as authorized gas exchange, i can now say that yes we have uh, really done it well because uh, no default has happened no disputes have happened and uh, we have come to a stage now when we are doing almost like 20 million mmbtu per month so that's a good chunk of uh, uh, gas it is like almost more than half of a uh, gas which uh, uh, comes in lng vessel so half of more than half of the vessel you can say We trade every month. Now, people feel that it's uh, significant, of course, for any entity to be in in the first year to achieve this. And we have seen that uh, uh, gas exchanges elsewhere in the world also, they have taken much more time to stabilize, uh, at least in Europe also, uh, what uh, all the exchanges have uh, at least taken four or five years to actually get uh, uh, liquidity. But uh, in the first year, getting this, and then we hope that... uh, And this, uh, what we are doing trade is only say less than 1% of total gas uh, uh, in the country. And uh, so we have a lot of uh, play again available in the gas system. In this particular sector, good thing is that almost 30% of gas is uh, traded in a short term market. Where in case of electricity, you have only 10% of power is getting traded in the short-term market. So, in case of electricity, you have 90% uh, long-term. In case of gas, it is only uh, it's 70%. So, 30% play is still there with us. And as we go- grow, uh, go in uh, uh, in future, more of a, a spot uh, play will happen. So, your 30% short-term can expand to 40, 45 in the next Uh, five to ten years. So there is a big play available. We hope that we will be doing good in case of gas also. So for me satisfying thing is that a lot of things which we were working for electricity that also happened cross-border trade, real-time market, green market, all of that happened uh, in last two years during COVID times. And this gas also which we were looking for so much time and we started during COVID period And we completed one, one and a half year during this period itself. And still, with all of these challenges, we could come to a level where we can say that, yes, it's working.
1: No, that's great and very interesting, uh, you know, journey and, and trajectory of that. Let me get into specifics uh, now. Uh, I, I really wanted to know that how did you uh, grow in that one year, the first year of operations where you had to convince discoms and generators. But maybe I'll come back to uh, that to later because I would first like to understand how does a trading, Indian trading energy market functions? So let's uh, bifurcate it into two parts. Let's start with electricity first you know, why are such platforms needed uh, in a country where there are long-term power purchase agreements, you know, a power generating company can directly sell to a distribution company in a state. So what was the need for these platforms to be needed? Uh, And then if you can also delve into what kind of contracts they offer uh, and what were the major uh, regulations that came in from the Central Electricity Regulatory uh, Commission, CERC, as you mentioned. And, you know, what are the key players that have emerged? Obviously, Indian Energy Exchange is there. And how does the market look like now? So, if you can tell the journey of India's electricity trading market.
2: Interestingly, uh, actually, any part of the world when you have uh, electricity markets, uh, the markets are generally structured in the same manner where uh, how we are structured. So, largely it is PPA. You have very little of uh, short-term uh, transaction. And uh, only thing is in other many countries they have uh, provided a roadmap where they see okay. Initially, there will be long-term PPA, but slowly it will uh, fade away and more of short-term BPA will come. But only thing is in India, we have seen uh, almost in uh, the last two decades or maybe uh, one decade of operation of uh, exchange, uh, this uh, percentage of long-term BPA continue continued to remain almost like 90%. And uh, spot uh, or short term, you can say is only 10%. So, this is uh, a bit of a challenge to expand the market in case of uh, uh, electricity in India. But the good thing for uh, exchange is that exchanges provide a lot of uh, benefit to the customer. One is that it is ease of doing business. If you want to trade, uh, you simply come on the exchange. It is IT enabled and then you do the trade. One is that you don't need to negotiate, you don't need to sign a contract. And then all of those things are simply away. And then you get a very transparent price uh, coming in the system and you get a lot of competitive offers. So, uh, So competition, transparency and ease of doing. And then for the seller, big thing is that you get security of payment. So all of this, if you see, so within even 10% short term, this was making a sense for electricity exchange. Second thing is that India is such a diverse country where in one part of the country you will see it's raining. Other part of the country may be going through temperature, high temperature. So there will be some demand some part of the country and there will be some excess happening in some part of the country. Like we have a diverse resources. So coal is there in one region, so you will have more coal-based power in that region, but that can flow to other region. Now with the renewables coming in, wind will be there in one part of the region, solar will be there in one part of the region, hydro will be in another part of the region, and then there will always be some demand fluctuations happening. It will not be that there is a peak for every state all the time. So when it's uh, uh, winter, uh, there is a a very low demand in north, but south will face, continue to have some demand, average demand. But uh, during summer, this uh, snow melting gets you a lot of hydropower and that can flow from north to south when there is a summer all across. So there is a lot of diversity. So that also makes very strong case for exchange in India. If there is similar uh, parameters available in any other part of geography in the world, then this really is something which uh, fits the case. Uh, So this is, uh, so this is the basic thing. Second thing was that we also have very good regulations in place. We have got good act in place that allowed uh, competition, that allowed uh, consumer to buy power from third party. So this is all good thing which has happened and uh, the good thing they were there. So some, If you see from hardware side, there was some hardware available. That was good. Network was good. Congestion was less. And of course, as we started uh, exchange, initially, there was we were facing a lot of congestion because first time, the power was actually flowing as per the merit, uh, not on contracts, but if there is a cheaper power available in north and you have a lot of demand in south, so a lot of power will flow. So before that, uh, there was not uh, much of power flow happening from north to south because it was not on cost basis it was more on a contract basis but when through exchange it started happening on the cost basis so that actually required more transmission so good thing is that planners and policy makers saw this happening and also augmented the capacity transmission capacity so today if you see we have such a strong network available in the in the country that there is no system congestion. So initially there was condition. We saw there is a condition exchange gave signals for uh, for removing those congestion. And then they were uh, implemented that uh, network was strengthened. And then finally it was cleared. One is that on the uh, infrastructure also hardware side also we had good thing. And then we also did many right things so that this market will flourish and the soft side also. Regulation side, policy side, a lot of uh, things were already there. And we also actually, uh, over the time, we have tweaked our policy, tweaked our regulation to align this with the market requirement. So, this was, uh, of course, uh, big achievements. But if you see on the other side, we have now good set of uh, participation in the market from distribution company. All types of generators participate in the market. But one big segment which we otherwise could have seen coming into the market directly is corporates. So today we did not see corporates coming to the, to the market uh, very frequently. Of course, at one time, there was a lot of open access happening in the market. So from 2009, 2015, we peaked. And then after that, many states apply, uh, started applying some barriers to open access. So one is that they increased their surcharges so they uh, put some non-tariff barriers also that certain conditions were imposed so that uh, there is less of uh, uh, switching away of these uh, CNI customers outside their uh, system. So this was uh, this is something which uh, today we lack in a sense. But uh, otherwise our markets are really doing well. The liquidity is good. But still, if you see that. We are only 6%, uh, exchange-based market volume is only 6% of the total consumption. So still there is a lot of room to grow for for the market. Only thing is uh, uh, we need to make some few changes in the policy side. We should uh, see that our long-term PPAs are not uh, extended and people, we should give freedom to distribution companies that they should be able to buy in a shorter uh, duration uh, so that they don't need to bear the burden of fixed charges for 25 years. Few things we think uh, is required. And good thing is uh, now now with the real-time market uh, coming, again, uh, this was something which was desirable and uh, market needed uh, that kind of uh, uh, segment. Since uh, renewables have come in, solar, wind, and you only can Forecast their generation very close to the real time, uh, so real time uh, market is really playing a very very important and uh, important role, and I, I think this market will grow faster than the day market. So today, uh, real time market is about twenty percent of total volume we trade on uh, exchange uh, in all the segments. So this is something which uh, is going to stay and uh, grow more than other segments. Second thing which happened uh, recently is that uh, there was a clarity brought in in terms of uh, law that uh, uh, long term uh, delivery based contracts can be uh, launched by the exchange like ours. And derivatives can also be launched, of course, not by IEX kind of exchanges, but it can be launched by derivatives uh, exchanges like uh, NSE and MCX. So that's also another thing which uh, is good uh, uh, happening in the electricity market. Ancillary market is also being talked about today. That will help uh, system operators to take care of the intermittencies and uh, other issues which are uh, very relevant for maintaining the grid security. And then uh, we will also have some time in future retail competition. I think that is something which we should be looking for. Of course, uh, today, everyone is more busy with uh, energy transition issues. But uh, of course, uh, once we have some tools uh, for uh, managing energy transition issues, then retail competition is another one which is big ticket reform which need to happen in the country. Uh, the customer should have choice. It is like any other commodity. If you see it today, you have a choice. But in case of electricity, a household doesn't have a choice. So, even a household should have a choice, corporates definitely should have a choice. And then uh, another thing which we think should happen more in case of um, corporates is that today corporates need uh, uh, some method to uh, become green or offset their carbon footprint. And for that, uh, we have very limited tools available currently in our system. So, we have only PPA. PPA means you sign a PPA, buy green power from third party, and then meet your requirement. But that dis- that really doesn't work for renewables because uh, corporate uh, uh, some industry will have some requirement during the daytime. That time your wind will not be uh, operating, or it will not be operating in that season. So you can't have co- these two coinciding together, demand and supply. So. There is a concept called virtual PPA, which we think is now time when we should have these virtual PPAs where corporates can uh, uh, do a PPA. only thing is this generator will not be selling to that corporate. It will be selling its uh, uh, power to exchange as per its uh, uh, generation profile. And uh, the green attribute arising from that will pass on to the corporate. And only thing is, corporate will underwrite that whenever he is not getting money, which is uh, from the market equal to whatever agreed price, that price will be compensated by the corporate. So, corporate will undertake that, okay, you will get whatever your agreed price is. So, some part of that price you will get from the market. Whenever you sell, it can be, say, your agreed price is 3 rupees. Sometimes you sell it in the market, you get only 250. So, 50 paisa will be compensated by the corporate. But in lieu of that underwriting, this corporate will get the green attribute. So, and this corporate can continue buying power from their, its distribution company. So, it will meet its power requirement. It will meet its carbon footprint offsetting requirement. So, by doing these two, he is able to meet his ESG requirement. If they have ambition of net zero or maybe carbon, maybe 30% carbon footprint or maybe 50% carbon footprint. Uh, offsetting that kind of target they can meet through this uh, virtual pp so there are few things which uh, need to work upon and there are few things we have already achieved and they are good and uh, they are working
1: so if i may ask uh, just for the understanding purpose uh, what are currently uh, the typical contracts that a power exchange offers in india and also if you can explain how price discovery happens on these exchange platforms
2: See, uh, we have now day market, uh, which is uh, for one day at basis, you can do transaction for any 15-minute time block. That's our major uh, segment. Then the second uh, market, which is uh, important, is real-time market, which is one hour before market, uh, where you can uh, place your bids one hour before and 15 minutes, you can get a confirmation. And then in last 30 minutes, you can get a scheduling and confirmation that, yes, this power is getting delivered to you that is like one hour market which we call it as a real time market then we have a term end market where you can do trade for limited uh, period uh, up to one week of course this will be this will expand in near future to maybe three month to uh, six month because we will be getting clearance from our regulator for doing uh, forwards which can go up to a year and it can also go beyond one year but more likely Exchange will be launching contract up to one year, which is for physical delivery. So, physical contracts. These are like few electricity segments, which we have. Then we have REC segment, where we facilitate trade of RECs. And then we have an ESERT segment. Uh, important thing uh, among all is the way we discover the price is through double-sided closed option mechanism. This uh, auction mechanism where buyers and sellers are placing the bids during one particular period. So, suppose we take a day at market. So, 1 to 2, uh, sorry, 10 to 12 is the time in the morning when we accept bids for the next day. And uh, after we receive all the bids by 12 o'clock, we carry out our matching algorithm. And then we come out with a common price for each 15-minute time block. And... uh, uh, this double-sided auction where, where we get a one price for that auction is uh, is uh, something which we found is most suitable. And this is working very well for most of our uh, markets. So, we have a real-time market. The model of uh, price uh, uh, clearance is same. It is double-sided, closed, uniform price auction. Similarly, we have REC segment. There also the matching is similar. And then in case of ESET also. So, good thing is that uh, our regulator has found this um, mechanism of double-sided auction very, very suitable. Where you don't know what can be your price coming out from the market. You have a variety of sellers. You have a variety of buyers. Every seller has got a different uh, marginal price. Every uh, buyer has got a different marginal value. So, then if you run a double-sided auction then you get the best price discovery.
1: I've always been curious, uh, what level of intervention does the platform has in the price discovery?
2: There's none. There's no intervention we can do. Uh, It is all set, uh, regulated, approved by the regulator. And uh, there's no intervention. It's like all system or machine-based program and uh, there's, there's no manual intervention. Even time, uh, we accept bids only till 12 o'clock. If there is some problem at some uh, location, still we don't uh, extend this time. So it is strictly closed auction where there is no price visibility, no bid visibility to the market at large. And everyone has to quote its best price. And then uh, we discover the price and that is also, so it is like automated system where you place your bids you don't need to talk to anyone once we clear the market we also convey the re- market results through our trading system and then uh, when the buyer has to make payment to for its uh, trade and that part is also done uh, through banks and the bank uh, accounts are linked with the our accounts and they are also almost uh, back end is automated and then uh, transfer of money is also taking place uh, without any So, there is no manual or uh, calls which are required to be done for the whole cycle. Because the cycle is so tight. Uh, So, we start the day at 10 o'clock with the bidding. And by 5 o'clock, we actually settle everything. Only thing is the money we pay to seller is not same day because deliveries happen to happen next day. So, we make payment to the seller only day after tomorrow. So, that is the timeline in which we have to operate. And all the payments to require to be made for delivery, like we need to make payment to our uh, transmission companies for the use of their transmission systems. It can be state transmission company. It can be interstate transmission company like PowerGate. Everyone gets paid uh, on the same day. We also make payment to the system operators, like uh, in case of uh, national, it is NLDC. We make payment to RLDc also for some uh, transaction. We also make payment to SLDC. So their system operating charge is also getting paid in uh, the same day. So everything gets settled on the same day, and there is no uh, uh, no no uh, credit is given to the buyer. It is all upfront payment, and then we settle the. Whole. So this is about their and so we use similar mechanism, almost similar for all other markets. So real-time market also operates in the same manner. Termad, which is very limited for one week, there also we operate in the same manner. Only thing is when we will launch a monthly contract or a maybe quarterly contract, then we have to have some system of some margins which we are working on, and then we will finally implement that system with our long duration contracts.
1: That brings me to the question that we have had. uh, uh, I was thinking to ask earlier, how do you convince DISCOMs to come on exchange? This is my first question. And I'll also ask a follow up that in the recent times, we have seen DISCOMs rushing to power exchanges only when there's, you know, kind of a coal shortage out there. And, you know, recently it happened last year only and there were allegations flying that exchanges are making money out of this crisis situation so i would first want to uh, understand from you that in the initial years and even till now how do you convince discoms and power generators to come on exchange and second how do you uh, you know respond to these situations where you know the discoms they can keep running to exchanges whenever they have their crisis at their own end which is their own mistake you know we have had discussions lengthy discussions over it that discoms do not pay to the power generating company that they have contract with, long-term contracts. And when there is shortage and when they cannot pay, when there are dues rising, they come to exchanges. So, if you can address this uh, very complicated uh, situation.
2: The first part of your question was like uh, how we get uh, distribution companies on board on the exchange. See, uh, when we started, uh, the reason for which distribution companies were required to come on the exchange is to meet their shortfalls and surpluses. Like, uh, if you see, in a day, a distribution company doesn't have a flat uh, load profile. It has got very, very volatile profile. So, during the night, there were very low demand. During the morning, again, rising demand. But uh, in the evening peak, again, it goes to peak. One peak comes in the morning, one peak comes in the evening. So, all of this is very, very varying. Every day it is different, every week it is different, every season it is different. So, now if they have done a contract for long term or medium term, they cannot meet all of that to have this varying profile. So, either they will have some surplus or they will have some shortage. It will not happen at one particular 15-minute block. They have a requirement of 1,000 megawatt and they have exactly 1,000 megawatt from medium-term and long-term contract. So, it was easy to convince that if you need anything, either you should be selling or you should be buying. You cannot keep silent when there is a market available for you to, to actually exploit. That used to be the narrative that time when we started. As we grew and uh, we saw that now every distribution company has got uh, much more contracts done as compared to what they actually need. Then uh, the narrative for them was that uh, now they should be using market for optimizing their cost. Not only for uh, meeting their requirement, but they should be using the market for optimization. What it means that suppose they have got a long-term contract where variable cost is say 3 rupees. You know that if they dispatch that power plant, then they have to pay 3 rupees because the cost of coal is is 3 rupees there. But suppose that time in the market you get power for 250. Why not you will buy 250? Because then you will not dispatch that power plant. You will save 50 pesos on the cost of power, cost of coal. That is better that you save coal also and at the same time you are using, you are saving money for yourself. So that was a big, a huge case for every distribution company. Really, we are very happy that uh, in three, four years after the operation of exchange, almost 95% of distribution companies were actually part of the exchange. Because even Nagaland, Pondicherry, Megale, or uh, maybe very small utilities, Daman and Dew. Daman and Dew is uh, bigger. If you take any northeastern entity also, they were also part of the exchange. So, we we got good set of distribution companies on board. And today, if you see our real volumes, so maximum volume is being purchased by the distribution company and maximum volume is being sold by the, purchase, the distribution company. It is not that your IPPs are selling on the exchange mostly. It is mostly distribution companies are selling. Almost like 60% of our volume of sale is by the distribution company. So, there are many distribution companies. So, all of these are actually optimizing their costs. So, that actually cost saving is being passed on to the consumer finally. It is good that uh, this market uh, may be small pivot in the whole system. But this pivot is playing very important role of uh, balancing and uh, most optimal allocation of resources and giving right price signals based on demand and supply. Now, the second query again is relating to suppose there is a now shortage of uh, power because coal is not there or that time your wind and solar is also not working because uh, of uh, monsoon or because of cloud cover. So, all of this uh, can happen and uh, they do happen, though, though everyone has contracted a lot of capacity, but uh, uh, many situations keep coming when you have shorter shortages. So that time, they have no other option to other than coming on the exchange because that is only uh, they see it as uh, one is that they see it as optimizing mechanism. Second is that they also see it as a last resort for managing their uh, shortages. So that is how it happens. And uh, whenever there's a shortage, prices are going to go up. Not that somebody is trying to do it because there is so much of competition among buyers that they compete, they want to outcompete e- each other in getting a small chunk of power which is available. First time when we got very high prices on the exchange in 2009 or 8 and 9, that time there was a huge uh, uh, cry that uh, how the exchange can uh, discover a price like this. Then uh, everyone has gone through our mechanism. Everyone has gone through our matching algorithm. A regulator took a special note and then they also did uh, install a study to to actually analyze it. But finally, they saw that uh, this is the best mechanism to discover a price. Only way you can curtail high price is that you have to put, if you put a ceiling price. And now there can be a debate whether we should be doing ceiling uh, price uh, capping or uh, not, because some people feel that uh, you let market be free and let it discover. And then uh, the one who is more needy, he will definitely place higher price and then get the power which is there. After 2009, again, there was really no apprehensions from any corners, at least on the policy side and the regulation side. So... Uh, maybe there is a hue and cry in case in, in the distribution company because their cost of uh, power is going, uh, energy is going up. But otherwise, uh, everybody knows that this is the mechanism, right mechanism to go. In case the uh, uh, extreme such uh, situations, uh, government thinks that we need to cap a price, we can do that. It is like regulator has to tell us uh, what uh, capping to be done. But otherwise, from our side, we feel that uh, the free market is uh, better and let it happen. And actually, our uh, transaction fee or the revenue is not linked to price. It is only linked to volume. So, we get uh, 2 Paisa per kilowatt hour of trade happening. It is not linked to price. So, that uh, statement is also not correct or notion or perception is not correct that uh, exchange makes huge money when the prices go up. And actually, when prices go up, the volumes may not be very high. The other prices, will, uh, when volumes are high, the prices may be very mild or may not be peaking that time.
1: So, that, that makes me wonder how uh, things happen globally. And we I, I, I remember discussing with you earlier also, you have had studied uh, the European electricity market very closely. And you have often cited it as an example of how a free-flowing electricity market function and something that can be... When different countries can do it, then why can't it be replicated in India? So, before I go into this further questioning that why India cannot have a much more thriving market, can you explain us how European or other such electricity market functions? Some of the best examples that you must have seen across the globe.
2: Yeah, actually, European example is very, very relevant for us because uh, they also have... 29 sovereign countries, part of European Union, uh, we have 29 states. they have more sovereignty, so more freedom, but still they have joined to in, the ele- in, in this electricity market. actually they have they run a very large coupled dead market. So coupling means uh, they exchanges in different countries. They have joined and they join their order books, which is like uh, getting all the bits at one place and then they discover a price. And they also take into account the transmission uh, network uh, congestion, and then they finally declare their prices. Now that uh, is working very fine because uh, what happens that you optimizes all the resources all across the Europe, and the same model we have. So at least uh, there we see a very big similarity, and maybe comfort that what we are doing is the best thing. If you see the European market, we we already have 29 states joining and in one exchange only it comes or maybe two exchanges, all of that uh, uh, comes. So that is really fantastic. Uh, Where we find there are some differences in case of uh, market uh, segments, they don't have any real-time market. They have uh, only intraday market and intraday market is continuous uh, trade market. It's not auction market. But in the continuous trade market also, they have coupled their intraday markets also across the countries. So that is like they are now getting similar results what we do with the real-time market. But of course, our real-time market I find is better than their intraday market because coupling is easy. We can work it uh, uh, in the auction mechanism in a very, very smooth manner and uh, everything happens very smoothly. There is no separate infrastructure required for intra, uh, like in case of their intraday coupling, they had to devise a new system for coupling this intraday market, which are very different from the day-end market. The area where they are doing better is that they have uh, good financial market. So all their uh, transactions or trades or contracts which are beyond a debt is actually physio- is financial. It's not physical. So weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly and year up to five to six years, that kind of financial market is available. and financial market is uh, really uh, liquid there. So there that gives a lot of comfort to all the market participants that they don't need to sign a long-term PPA. Rather, if they want to hedge their prices, they simply can go to the financial market and hedge their prices. So that's a big advantage they have, which we don't have, which we should be, uh, I think, working on. Only thing uh, probably we lack in terms of policy implementation is our regulatory uh, intervention is that our open access is not very a real open access. It's like a flawed open access or you can say that uh, there's some... It's not implemented in a, in the true sense of the word. So, in the true spirit of the open access, whereas in case of uh, Europe, it is there. Uh, so, their open access is really open, open and uh, they have very strong uh, requirement of unbundling. So, their transmission system operators are separate from uh, any trade activities in case in india like we have very strong uh, independent uh, open access in case of uh, uh, interstate transmission but we don't have uh, we that uh, gets diluted when it goes to interstate within the state you have uh, transmission and distribution handled by same not same company but uh, they have a lot of uh, areas to work on because they don't have Chinese wall among them. And uh, uh, there's commonality among board and uh, board members and chairman is common. So it is really there is a conflict in in the way the transmission and distribution companies operate within the state. But otherwise, in case in Europe, there's a strong requirement from European Commission that uh, the unbundling should be uh, real unbundling. Even the board members will not be common. And uh, so they have put a lot of provision to, make, to ensure that when uh, the countries, uh, actually in their case, their countries have to implement that. So these countries should be very clear in implementing the unbundling provision so that uh, the open access remains good. So that is the difference. I think uh, otherwise, uh, except for financial market and uh, very good retail competitive market in uh, most of the countries, not every country has got retail competition. But if you see all matured market like Germany, France, uh, UK, uh, Netherlands, Belgium, so they have very good uh, retail competitive segments. So that is also area where we are uh, lacking, but otherwise uh, in case of at least wholesale market, we are largely uh, good except for financial derivatives.
1: Got it. Uh, let's just focus on uh, gas exchange uh, for a bit. We decided to discuss both. So uh, I was just wondering, give, electricity trading has been happening for quite some time now. We discussed it's been a decade. Gas exchange is pretty new. But the question that comes to my mind is that electricity market in India is very, very different from gas or a fuel market. Fuel markets is a completely different ball game altogether first. But in gas... India lacks domestic resources. So, how much sense does it make to have a gas exchange in India? And in this scene of, you know, scarcity, how does a gas exchange function?
2: Uh, See, in case of gas sector, I'll just give you an overview that uh, today we have a total demand of uh, 160 mm CMD in India. So, almost 50% of that is domestic and 50% comes from uh, LNG. So, LNG, regasified LNG is what we use. Now, out of uh, domestic uh, production, uh, which is about 80 mm CMD, almost 60% is uh, something which is uh, having very regulated pricing regime where price is fixed and then allocation is also fixed. So, that gas is allocated to set uh, uh, segments. So, like uh, APM gas, we call it APM, which is the regulated price uh, set by the government of course there is a formula which is uh, used for setting this price uh, so this gas uh, is almost 60% of total domestic gas but balance 40% of gas domestic gas is still having some freedom of price so that is uh, being produced by ongc reliance and few other uh, kn so these players are producing this 40% of domestic gas so so 40% of domestic gas has got some freedom market freedom it does not complete freedom Now, if you see the LNG, which is uh, regasified LNG, that is almost 50% of our requirement, out of which uh, uh, 70% is actually coming under long term. So, that that is being imported with uh, through the long term contract. This long term contract can be 10-15 years and uh, their price is also fixed. But uh, when uh, they can, and that gas can be sold uh, as long term to its, uh, to, to the customer. So it means this, this uh, 70% LNG can be sold directly as long term to its customer or also it can be sold in the spot. So, so some part of LNG can also, long term LNG can come to the exchange. Then 30%, I'm talking about total LNG. So 70% is uh, long term, 30% is still spot. The Spot means they are being procured on monthly, quarterly and six monthly or up to a year basis. And that is also sold in the market as a spot uh, uh, gas. So it means that we have a quite significant chunk of gas which has got a freedom that they can be sold in a different manner to the, to, to the buyer. So this is where we would like to have our play. And we saw that uh, this is also a right uh, mix because not every country will have this kind of uh, mix of 50% domestic, 50% of LNG. Like Japan, uh, the exchange cannot be possible because they have almost everything import. In China, they also have a similar thing where where 50% is import, 50% is uh, domestic. There also uh, exchanges are playing very big role. Uh, Shanghai, Petroleum and gas exchange is actually one of the major exchange in, in China, which is playing important role. And if you see in Netherlands, uh, the TTF, TTF is another big, big benchmark in Europe. There also, why TTF developed as uh, in a global benchmark or for Europe? Uh, the reason was that they also have some domestic gas. Some of uh, gas is being imported by Netherlands and uh, that is getting uh, traded on uh, in, in their exchanges. And then you discover TTF as one uh, important uh, European benchmark. And we have good diversity of uh, cell. I, as I told uh, domestic and LNG, uh, in LNG also spot and long. In domestic also there is some which is regulated, some which is uh, open. On the buy side, also, if you see, there are some customer segments like fertilizer, which requires gas. It uh, has less uh, elastic, elastic uh, pricing. It means that it can take whatever price is available. C G D, it is uh, more sensitive, and if you go to power, it's most sensitive uh, segment because at some uh, level of price, uh, this is not uh, the power does, is not dispatchable. So only limited price sensitivity, uh, very highly sensitive to price. So uh, if you see different and then refinery, petrochemical and then other industries like glass, ceramic, they have they a have lot of sensitivity to the price. So it means that there's too many uh, the diversity of buyers are also there, diversity of sellers is also there. Then they have different locations, different parts of the country. So again, uh, we see that uh, the similar diversity can actually be very well uh, managed through exchange. And when you have online system and you don't have to bother about signing GTA, signing GSA, people will really love this uh, market platform. That is what we thought uh, should happen. And we are seeing also. And again, the payment security issue in the minds of sellers is also very key. So that also we take care. So when we are there to resolve the bottlenecks in the current system, where people see there is a problem. They see problem in terms of pricing, because once, uh, when there's no exchange, people, you have to go contact sellers and there are say six, seven or 10 sellers. And then each one you have to contact, you have to get some email. Uh, Instead of doing that, suppose you come on the exchange and a small customer will not have much of negotiating power. The problem is that a small customer feels comfortable on the platform where he doesn't need to talk about to, to anyone. Uh, So that way we we see it is uh, really win-win for everyone when we provide this platform.
1: The reason why I wanted to gas ex- discuss the gas exchange also was that you know in India there is a huge need for a bridge fuel in the electricity market. You know for 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 something that ma- that is there for a peaking power. Will gas exchange? Will having a gas exchange and resource availability there will it help in any way the Indian electricity market as well where gas is readily available for power generators to take a stock of as you mentioned during a shortage period or during meeting a peak or something. Can both exist in sync and help each other?
2: Very rightly said, Shaya. Yeah. Actually, this makes uh, good sense for uh, power and gas being coupled through these exchanges. Because, see, uh, so far uh, the way power plants used to buy gas was uh, they used to sign a long-term contract or maybe a year contract. And uh, problem was that uh, if they are not getting dispatched because their cost of gas is uh, more, then uh, they can't do anything with the gas because they, are, they have to purchase under this medium term or uh, one-year contract. Now, when the exchange is there, our uh, narrative is that uh, they can buy exactly for the time when they see it is dispatchable. Suppose they see the summer is coming and price is going to be, say, 6 rupees per unit because today, and really this is the case. Today, if you see, our market price for electricity is to about 4 rupees 50 paisa. So, in summer, definitely it will be higher. So, when you have May or June or April or May or June, it will be something like 5 to 6. And at that time, you uh, want to dispatch your gas-based power plant. And generally in summers, gas prices are supposed to be lowest because uh, gas prices peak only during winter because the whole of the world needs a lot of uh, gas for heating which is almost not there in case uh, in the, during the summer time. So that way they can actually buy only for the days when they actually see the power will be sold in the market. So they can buy for only peak, they can buy for a day, they can buy for a week, buy for a fortnight. So all of that flexibility, that uh, definitely is a very big uh, positive for the power plants. Only thing is, We are not sure to what extent prices will be uh, milder this year. Particularly this year, prices have been very high. So that is the only issue. But otherwise, in all other normal years, you find that uh, April to June, July, uh, our Indian players or Indian power plants can definitely use market. And for the time of the year also, they can look at the price on the exchange. And then on the gas exchange, they can buy gas and they can sell power in the power exchange. So these two things can be... Very much uh, synchronized. And uh, rather we call it as a gas power coupling. That can happen as we go along.
1: So as I can see from here, uh, there is a full-fledged uh, thriving electricity market. There is a gas exchange that has been launched. And in the electricity market, uh, there is day ahead, there is term ahead. Now there is real time. Uh, then there is cross-border trade happening. I-, I believe Bhutan is there with us, which is all- has come on the exchange to trade power with us. And, and there would be similar such contracts when we do much more cross-border trade. Then recently, CERC has also come up with something called the over-the-counter electricity trading. Anyone can come buy, sell, and trade. So there's a lot of action happening in the electricity space. Gas exchange has come. And as you mentioned, there could be a sink later, you know. There could be a gas power sinking happening. But in this whole pie, one thing that seems to be missing is coal. And I've been very, very curious to know that Why can't coal also be traded like we are trading electricity, like we are trading now gas? Do you think that there is a possibility? And if there is, what all is needed for it to become a reality?
2: Yeah, very relevant uh, question. Because why not we cover the whole of energy space and uh, coal is one of the actually prominent uh, energy uh, source for us. It's easy for uh, having an exchange in electricity, because one is that uh, there is no quality issue in electricity. Simply you can trade in megawatts. You don't talk, talk about quality. If you come to gas, you have to talk about quality also. But normally gas in a transport uh, transportation network, uh, generally it is complied with. There is no issue that... Uh, so once uh, a pipeline operator accepts gas from source... It accepts only when there is a uh, specification is met. Uh, the requirement uh, for pipeline is met uh, by this uh, gas. So, but still there is a issue that uh, there is uh, some. There can be some difference in uh, gas quality in different places, and that has to be accounted. And for that reason, we also have actually moved away from quantity of gas to uh, heat content of the gas. So, our trade unit in case of gas exchange is uh, mm2. it's not uh, cubic meter gas. Because uh, 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 gas from different sources will have different calorific value, so cubic meter doesn't make sense. So, that man- problem we have managed in the gas exchange. But if you go to coal, problem is that uh, coal has got a lot of variety uh, in terms of quality. So, one is quality. Second is that logistic issue. Gas flows can happen on the pipeline network, but for uh, coal, you have to transport. It can be rail, it can be uh, trucks, it can be uh, merry-go-round system or something like that. So, all of that is uh, there. So these are the challenges, of course. Not that we cannot overcome these challenges by designing in a manner that we take care of this. And there are ways how to do that because quality issue can also be managed if you set a price or maybe discover a price for one grade. And if you find the actual grade of coal is different, then you either derate or get some premium over the price. So we can find out some methodology. So that is why uh, coal ministry has actually started working on starting a coal market. They are calling it coal exchange and uh, that they want uh, to bring some transparency in this market, streamline this uh, coal trades, uh, bring uh, quality uh, under focus and uh, see that what they can do to maintain and guarantee a quality once it is agreed how we can do that. So, it has been more than a year, I think, we came, we, the one, uh, they are working with a consultant and probably they will come out with some notification, draft, uh, order or uh, regulation. We are waiting for that to come. So, that is also in the offing. Uh, hope uh, we should be uh, seeing some form of coal exchange or coal market uh, in future, in next one year.
1: Let me uh, ask a couple of last questions. One would be on renewables, uh, definitely. So, uh, you know, as as I could understand how and power exchange, electricity exchange works, it suits very typically to renewable energy sources. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The suitability with renewable energy sources is much more with exchange. You know, anyone can build a renewable energy power system and come and sell here. So what is the possibility there and, you know, along with it, if you can tell that what kind of role an electricity exchange can play in this energy transition that is happening in the country with a lot of renewable energy coming up.
2: One is that uh, without exchange, it is difficult to manage uh, renewables. You can manage renewables only with uh, having such platform where you can do trade faster with a shorter notice. So today we have gone up to one hour ahead basis. Our market, real-time market, is one hour ahead. We can go closer also. So in many markets, we have, they have gone closer to, which we call it as a gate-closure time. So gate-closure today is one hour. But uh, in case uh, of Europe, uh, many countries have got almost zero gate-closure. It means that you just trade and you schedule it. Immediately, that uh, scheduling will happen uh, in, the, in, the, in the, the system operator's uh, system. So, all of that is possible. So, we uh, now definitely are at the right time. We have put things in place, real-time market in place. So, this can work fine for one or two more years. But as we deploy more of renewables, we have to again reduce the duration for gap. Uh, And then we will also have big tools like batteries, uh, which will help us manage these resources. And batteries can also play a big role in the exchange we can also see uh, uh, hydrogen coming in some avatar either hydrogen itself will be used for uh, producing or uh, hydrogen can be used as a source or it can be as a uh, as a as a consum- demand uh, so both ways it can be done and hydrogen uh, when it will be there probably it will also require some uh, tweaking on the gas market because uh, finally if we have a lot of hydrogen coming in uh, we can use uh, gas pipelines to flow hydrogen blending of hydrogen will be possible so today i think is the right day for when we are talking about hydrogen because the Minister is going to issue uh, uh, or ministry is going to issue some hydrogen mission for india so that is uh, we will see how this whole thing evolves but uh, uh, i see that uh, exchange will be a big enabler for uh, transition. So transition, uh, basically your uh, hardware requirement is that you need uh, resources. So that is hardware. But on the software, you need markets. So you have to couple these two in the right manner. The right coupling of uh, hardware and software actually should be working uh, to make this happen. So, good thing is that we are doing right thing on uh, the, the putting right resources. We have put all the focus on solar and wind expansion, 500 gigawatt in uh, by 2030. And along with that, if we are making or tweaking our markets in the manner that that suits the, the participants and uh, it suits, uh, it 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 is aligned with the characteristics of your resources and characteristics of demand side then it will work uh, very well.
1: Great. Uh, so my last question to you would be that the next big thing that the Indian energy market as a whole will see, what, according to you, would be that?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that makes uh, my uh, supply a bit difficult because... Uh, there are two, three things which I think are very big. One is that uh, I see derivatives are uh, something on the market side. Soft side, you can say derivatives are big. Retail competition is big. On the hardware side, hydrogen is going to be big. And batteries also will play important role. Uh, they will also, so not that uh, it is either or. Hydrogen batteries, all of that will be required and all of that will play their own role. And uh, of course, uh, the markets will uh, should be there. And derivatives market actually is now required because people don't really see a forward price curve. So for that, they need some kind of tool. Everyone has to so, 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 suppose somebody has to invest in uh, uh, renewable sources. Uh, then uh, it it uh, they want to know that what can be priced five years hence, ten years hence, fifteen years hence so today that's not visible at all they have to do some exercise i think everybody may be doing its own exercise their own assumptions but when you have a derivatives market in place and there's a price coming from the market it is like amalgamation of all the every everyone's minds into it and everyone's uh, expectations and then you result that result into some price discovery in the derivative market and that gives the very uh, realistic forward price curve so that's required and retail competition of course i see that household should get uh, complete freedom for choosing its supplier choosing what type of uh, power it wants how much uh, green power it wants how much uh, gray power it wants so all of that should choice should be available to customer and of course battery and hydrogen are on the hardware side
1: great so a lot of developments looks like they will happen and we probably will get a chance again to chat on these new things that will happen. Uh, Thank you so much uh, for talking with us. It was a wonderful conversation. I learned for one so much and I believe our audience also will. Thank you so much again.
2: Thanks, uh, Seiya, for giving this really opportunity. Uh, So we get more insights by by talking to you. So it's uh, great (laughs) to talk to
1: you. Thank you. It's
0: always uh, mutual. But thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the India Energy Hour. Subscribe to this channel to never miss an update. To drop us a feedback, visit our website or write to us at theindiaenergyr@gmail.com. at gmail.com We are on Twitter. You can follow at tieh_podcast underscore podcast and get in touch with the two hosts at Shreya_j underscore J and at Sandeep with double I.